0: You're listening to the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw, your host. Season 7, this would be episode 11. Going to 11 with this one.
1: These
0: go to 11? ASI247.org. Done a little work on the uh, vintage website with my vintage... <laughs> Early two thousands, it's vintage web design. Asi two four seven dot org. Had to clean up some stuff. And today on the show I have both Seth Taylor, David Taylor, the Taylor twins. My pilgrimage feels like redemption. We uh get into some topics today. Great stuff. Got both these guys in the room at the same time. Uh Kick it off with a little bumper by 6 a.m. does your desire cost you Does it win the devil your Now, we're, now we're, on the we're on the air. We're on the air. We're not live. We're, not live. we're on. We're on. Check, check, welcome, Taylor Twins. I'm super like honored to have both you guys on a call like this because I know you're both busy. Like I think we've tried to do this before, but your schedule didn't line up and stuff. And it's just really cool to uh, to have both you guys in in the room. So uh, welcome and.
2: Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. We got, we got good sound too. This is like highest quality sound we've ever done. Yeah, We're a long Russ, We're a long way from that little tape recorder on the dash of your truck, you know, <laughs> That's right. your van.
0: This is uh this is HD. we got HD uh, <laughs> going on HD audio. Actually that little device, I paid a lot of money for that. Like it works, it works pretty well. I mean, um, yeah. you know, it's not perfect, but I mean, there's some mics that people buy and there's a people who spend a lot of money to do this stuff. And, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm more about content. <laughs> yeah, dude.
3: Yeah, dude. We're we're trying to make our sound quality better. My son, my, my eldest son, is a, a bit of a sound tech guy, and he and he's kind of giving me advice and kind of pushing us in different directions. So, uh, he got me this Yeti mic, and now I'm doing the headphone Yeti mic thing, and it's it's actually. It's pretty fantastic. So I was yeah. like, so the, so
2: that whole kit that we bought it didn't didn't work out, huh?
3: No, the kit was great. The kit was great. It was just a bit more old school. And when we were talking about. it, I said, look, but I, I need to simplify this, especially regarding my laptop, because because I live in a house with kids. I, sometimes I want to be able to go. Okay, the kids are doing this. We got a new puppy, and we got two cats, and there's there's goats outside and chickens, and and I was like, I've I've got to be able to m- mobilely find a spot in the house, and I can't just grab my iMac, you know, and, and that, uh, that things, and that's got a soundboard and everything. I said, Is there some simpler solution? He's like, Well, yeah, yeti mic, it's easy. USB pop bada boom bada bing. And I was like, Why'd you tell me this before? I did tell you this before. And I was like, Okay.
0: Noise canceling is great because you you get out so far. I mean, there's noises here. I got chickens right outside the window. Right, right. Right. This mic isolates. That's what's great about this mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have well, people cool. like on the people complain. <laughs> "Your Audio sucks. You got good content, Russ, but if you could work on the right. audio. It would
3: be- well, you know, because most people are driving in their cars when they're when they're listening, right? Yeah, And, and having to adjust volumes, especially going from in, a, in and out. I found if you're going to in and out of 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 interviews or you're going from different sections to different sections and adjusting those audios, you know, I can do that in the editing almost kind of well. But the truth is, is most times people are having to turn up the volume in one section, turn it down in another and that does that does cause a problem so yeah anything we can do and and plus we're doing a patreon thing on our web on our website so people are we've got a few bucks in there now and that's why we're able to upgrade the mic and everything so
0: yeah and i love what you guys are doing over there i've uh, i i brushed up the website yesterday um and my website's pretty old school like my yeah. i call it vintage you know i got yeah. vintage Dude,
3: is, It's I see you got all the vinyl
0: records behind you and everything. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm that's awesome. just
3: part of your brand, bro. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> a little, I little love analog it. over here. Yeah, I love but, it. But yeah, I put, uh, put my pilgrimage on the uh, – so actually I've been approached by companies to – I had a sponsor for a while that paid just to have a, ads on some of these pages because mm-hmm. they come up pretty high in Google searches for uh, porn addiction and sex addiction – links to, to help and so i put you guys on there i also well, put you. you on my my give page so and and it's funny i had a sponsor that cut ties with me and then, and now they're kind of like well maybe we'll we'll sign another deal but i'm starting to feel like i really like people donating and not yeah. having some company you know telling yeah. you I mean, not that like they ever told me what to do or anything, but no, yeah, advertising weird is weird strings attached. You know? Yeah, it's just,
3: it's it's kind of a sticky industry. I've I've been in the advertising industry for I've, I spent uh, fourteen years in the industry, and now I you know I'm still in marketing and mar- for our own company, but um, but it's one of those industries that's just full of sticky spots. You know, yeah, you're walking yeah. along, and all of a sudden you find your foot. I can't move <laughs> it. You know, and it's like kind of thing. It just it's just one of those industries, man, that like it, that money it drives the whole thing. And so no matter what you do, even if you're altruistic about it, you know, there's, it, yeah, it, it yeah. trips
0: things up, you know, there's, there's sticky uh, tissue in there, but that's right. one of the things like I firmly believe. And I talk about this on the podcast that one of the, one of the really helpful things or healing things for me has been generosity and the energy of generosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to give to the podcast is is it helps this thing first of all stay alive because it does cost money to produce and create um but i've also said that's why i have a link to your guys's thing and a link to a couple of other charities because i've also said this it's like give you don't have to give to me but start to exercise that muscle of generosity yeah because yeah. it really does like your life energy and purpose is putting something out into the world. That's helping others and not just yeah, sure. consuming into onto oneself. Yeah. But I've always said that, like, you know, are you some, cause I've got trust issues, right? Like, right. like some Christian shyster who's after your wallet. Like, <laughs> no, if you believe that don't give to me, right. but give, right? Yeah. Like yeah. kind of, yeah. I don't know. It sort of messes with that.
3: <laughs> no, I, I know Seth's got some thoughts on, Generosity is an energy, you know, it's a spiritual yeah. practice, you know. it's like, flow. Yeah. 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 It's it's,
2: it's yeah. when you're when you're living in that. The the whole thing is it's you know, money is it is is ultimately an energy, and the question is whether it's flowing or not, or the energy is flowing or not. But that's a little tricky sometimes if you have a paradigm of a God who's kind of keeping track of your your do's and your don'ts and your goods and your right. bads, you know, Santa yeah, Claus right. God, you know, if you if you have that, then and uh we're all gonna like be a on the naughty list by the end of the year.
0: right
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. you know, that idea. But yeah. it's, it is about flow, it's more about surrender. The ultimate, I mean, I think some of the, the original kind of principles of tithing is actually quite, quite profound and mystical, but yeah. But no, not the way we've done it. Not actually, the way we were taught. It's weird, taught, that, it's weird that
3: this has come up in a conversation because last night I was, uh, um, often when I'm brushing my teeth, I'll just be watching like the news on YouTube or something. And just, I'll go to YouTube and I'll watch the stuff. And and uh, somehow, you know how YouTube, like they will send you videos, right? here, you, you're interested in all these other things so watch this. And um, this episode of John Oliver last week for tonight with John Oliver, this yep. uh, episode section came up um, from four years ago about uh, church televangelists. Yeah. Church. Yes. Yeah, that was televangelist. A, one of
2: their greatest episodes ever.
3: Russ, have you seen that?
2: No, I haven't. Seen okay. It. Oh my God. You, you definitely want to
3: YouTube this and watch it because it's they started
2: And they ended up starting their own church. They started their own church. And they did. Did you watch the own... follow-up episodes to that? Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. No, I, I did years ago, but I'd say yeah. I hadn't seen it in years. And I, and so I watched it again last night and I was like, oh man, like that world of, and it was, this one was specifically focusing on televangelists and how they get money and how, and he went through the entire kind of thing. And, and uh, I was just thinking about, I was thinking about my mom and, and, and how, you know, just growing up in a church and in, in, growing up in a church and also growing up in a, in a world where, you know, Trinity Broadcasting Network was on 24 seven or the 700 club. And it was,
1: Churches are a cornerstone of American life. There are roughly 350,000 congregations in the United States, and many of them do great work, feeding the hungry, clothing the poor. But this is not a story about them. This is about the churches who exploit people's faith for monetary gain. And when I say that, you probably think of 1980s televangelists like this guy. I'm just getting into a prophetic vein. I don't make this stuff up. That man is Robert Tilton. And though he, like many televangelists, was caught up uh, in an expose decades ago, he never really went away. Healing, go into those knees. Arthritis, go in the name of Jesus. Tumors, go in the name of Jesus. That one calling with lupus. Lupus, you foul devil. You <laughs> bow to the name of Jesus. Lupus. You bow to the name of Jesus. You go in Jesus' name. Lupus, you complicated and not especially easy to describe malady, you go, lupus! (laughs) You vex us with your foul lupusness, you go! (laughs) Now, though you may not be aware of it, televangelism is still thriving in this country, and Robert Tilton is just a very small part of it. There are several large media networks devoted to televangelism, including Trinity, Inspiration Ministries, and Daystar and the preachers that appear on them can have incredible lifestyles. Just earlier this year, a man named Creflo Dollar got people's attention with a bold request.
0: Pastor Creflo Dollar of the World Changers Church International facing harsh criticism after starting a fundraising campaign to buy this $65 million luxury private jet. If I want
1: to believe
3: God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop
1: me. Stop me from dreaming! Creflo Dollar wanting a private jet is not remotely unusual. There is a pattern of preachers wanting high-end airplanes, and when they get them, they're not always particularly humble about it.
2: I had enough money to buy a beautiful Cessna Citation jet. Cash. And since there's so much jealousy in this room tonight, (laughs) that I can feel over this. A few weeks later, I bought another one worth three times what that one was. Cash.
1: Act happy over my blessing, folks. I bought a jet cash, I bought a bigger jet cash, fuck the haters, act happy for me. That's, that's not a sermon. It's the first draft of a Rick Ross single. Now, now, preachers claim... These planes are vital tools. Look at Kenneth Copeland, who, along with his wife Gloria, are among the most successful TV evangelists. A few years back, he asked his followers to help buy a $20 million jet, promising it would only be used for church business. But a local news crew did some digging, and what they found will probably not surprise you.
0: It was a news aid investigation last February which first raised questions about Copeland's apparently personal use of his new church jet.
2: This is a preaching machine
0: most notably for a ski trip to colorado and visits to an exotic game ranch in south texas here's copeland and his son john proudly posing with a pair of axis deer indigenous to india and sri lanka
3: there was constantly fundraising happening all the time i just remember watching jan crouch on tbn you know Every time someone sent them, you know, a billion dollars, they'd be like,
1: yes, praise the Jesus, just
3: jumping all over the place. And I'd just be going, and I remember as a kid going, but that whole existential thing that started happening to me when I was little, you know, that whole kind of conflict of like, God doesn't need money. God doesn't <laughs> need money. Like, why would God need money? God, like, You know what I mean? That doesn't make sense. Like, in and, and <laughs> And I remember, as a t- I think probably the dominant images of religion when I was a kid um, of Christianity, that evangelical form of Christianity, and of course I didn't grow up Catholic. I'm sure they they do the same thing, you know, with selling, you know, what was it? They, they you know indulgences. Sell- yeah, indulgences and things.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um,
3: it, is, it was definitely around tithing and fundraising. It was it was, you know, my parents, our parents told us flat out, ten percent or God will not bless you. And of course, at the same time, I'm looking around and I'm going, our next door neighbor's house is way nicer than our house. And they are not Christians. You know what I mean? And I'm going, what is that? You know, but my my mom was definitive about it.
2: Very, very.
3: It was concrete. It was definitive. You give 10% or you are fucked. And it was like, although she didn't use that word, but I think that's what she meant. (laughs) Kind of what she
2: had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, it's it was weaponized
0: time. in a different yeah. kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. I remember thinking quiet. the Catholics yeah. were cool because they had bingo night. You know, right? And the graphic, really evangelical, like she was like, "Oh, that's sinful and gambling and all that stuff." Oh, and man. Like, I don't know. it's yeah. kind of cool. They're raising but, money and they're everybody sitting around and usually but, smoking and right dabbing with the, the great e-mail. iron.
3: Oh, the great irony of it is that there is, this, with, with all of these things, there's this kind of, like Seth was pointing to, that there's this thing in scripture where it talks about the giving, and he's talking about it being rooted in something mystical, and you're talking about saying, look, if, if, don't just give to me. if you don't want to give to me, don't, just give, there's something yeah. in that process, in which, and the Buddhists talk about it as a spiritual practice, right, as a, a practice of, you know, and I we were as I do here in, you know, when we, when we have money, which right now we don't because we don't have any jobs or anything (laughs) because we're on Maui and tourism is gone and everything. But, um, you know, we give money and, but we also, I think the biggest thing is, is we just find whatever is in our path in which, which the spirit says, give, 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 you just do it. And you don't do it with the expectation of return. you, you know, I pick up hitchhikers all the time. I this is my way of giving you. Sometimes it's just like on the island, that's kind of a regular form of transportation on Maui, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you just, you know, almost every time I'm heading to Kahului from Kihei or something like that, I'm just pulling over, grab somebody. Yeah. "Yeah, Where are you going? You know, let's go, you know, and and
0: generosity. It's that synchronicity and and kind of harmony and syncing up with that. And, uh, which it brings us to the topic, right? Yeah, perfection. yeah, yes. Like what? It, it, getting around to some of the language of of perfection and, and sure. what it means, and and uh, I posted something, and then David said something that triggered me. So <laughs> we should have a conversation about this. Like this is <laughs> brilliant.
3: Hey, kudos, kudos for doing that, though. For 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 going. Yeah. Hey, let's let's actually get in, a, in I the same brought room.
0: my wife bought me this. Here it is. It's,
3: yeah, and you should put it back in your wall, bro. I did not mean to. You
0: know, and I honestly. I I wanted I was, to bring it into the the, the conversation into this video. Okay. So yeah, my wife found this, and and, uh, and and it syncs up with a lot of my philosophy on uh, gratitude. Uh-huh. Um, you know, life may not be perfect, but parts of it are pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Kind of, um, yeah. Mm. But but before we get into that a little bit, I wanted to ask you. Uh, speaking of synchronicity, and and that's part of this conversation, because um, you guys are twins. Like, do you guys ever have some kind of, like, a uh, uh, the thing where Seth, like, sprains his ankle or something like that? And, David, you feel it? Like, I've heard these, these stories, and I'm, like, super curious. Like, I just had to ask, because I have you guys in the room together. Yeah. weird like that ever happened?
2: No. <laughs>
3: not, not. I've never, I've never been like, Ouch. You Know and sitting at the <laughs> dinner table, we're like my ass hurts, you know, or something like that. You know,
2: <laughs> that's your voodoo you doll know, so or something, just fell off his bicycle. And I'm not, and I don't, I, I don't necessarily think that that can't happen in, in certain situations, no. but, da- but David and I are, are yeah, we don't seem to have that type of soul connection. You know, no, we have, we have, we have synchronic- a connection of some sort,
3: yeah. There's, yeah, from a synchronistic standpoint, there's definitely a um, I think the thing that goes on with us most, and it's coming really useful is as we've been working through the my pilgrimage stuff, um, is that. When Seth's saying something, I know what he's trying to say, and when I'm saying something, he knows what I'm trying to say. So if it doesn't come out perfect, like I could start a sentence and he could finish it, right? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that's been really interesting is that Seth Seth has been has gone down. If you want to talk about a road, he's gone down. He's gone very very much gone down the road of a theologian, a philosopher, a mystic, in that area, working through his on his spiritual path and working through healing and that kind of thing. And I've gone down a a, a path that's maybe slightly less mystic, but definitely my world being around communication. And so what we've been able to do is is kind of mold those together in which Seth and I, especially when we were writing Feels Like Redemption, there would be a lot of conversations. He'd be like talking about something. And there'd be even times when I was editing the book and I was looking through it and I'd go, I'd read a paragraph of Seth's stuff and I'd be like, man, that's deep. And I'm like, that's too deep. Like that's, that's something that someone, and I'd, I'd, I'd be able to tweak it bring it back to something that someone can digest a little bit because I know exactly what he's trying to say. Whereas you can send it to a third party editor and we had another editor and the editor would go, I have no idea what he's trying to say right here. I read it and I'd be like, Oh, I know exactly what he's trying to say. You know, because, and because, you know, we've been in each other's brains for since before we were born, you know, and, and that, so that's been really helpful. Um, I think that as we've gotten older and matured, it's gotten even more, it's gotten better and better. Obviously there were times you know, when we were younger where we kind of butted heads a lot. Um, because we're different you know Um, and I think now it's more about the similarities in terms of the way that we think and stuff like that that's coming into play so
0: yeah Yeah, Uh, I think that maybe that's what triggered me in your response to me posting the sign um, was that it wasn't deep enough Uh and I think it, it triggered me in a in a kind of a churchy kind of way like
3: yeah yeah sure and i and I, I recognize that now it's like i look back and i went oh you know that was probably kind of a snooty ish came across that way i would intend it that way but i definitely see how how because i guess for, for your viewers what i what i had posted was you had, you had that thing and i said okay now i want everybody to think about the, the basically what i can't remember exactly how i said it but it was so like, the
2: idea the idea that you're already perfect
3: that you are perfect, you are perfect. yeah and, it, that, and that life is perfect and that this is perfection and um it's uh, I don't know. Do you want It's up to you if you want to get like want to get into. I can try and explain kind of what I was what I was articulating.
0: Well, I thought uh, we could flow with it as as kind of wordsmith. Sure. Like maybe sure. that's what the, the, you and I kind of track with as sure as a, a sure. wordsmith.
2: Yeah. Um, well. The, okay. So so let's deal with this concept of perfection. Perfection. Yeah, what it what yeah. it is? Let me. Uh, what it is and and how the role that it's been it's played. So Seth,
3: why don't you start? I'm actually going to go grab something because there's something I want to read to you
2: guys. I can, I mean, as a third party here, um, I can tell you this, this much is that you're dealing, you guys are the reason that it triggered you. And the reason David, that whole thing is because of two things. One, every, every concept word thought is, is there's so much attached to it on a, on a, there's so much context in that word yeah, and how it's into The
0: understanding of language and how we use right. language, right? Yeah.
2: When you said semantics at one point, you said it, it seems like a semantics thing. Well, of course, it's a semantics thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, of course it is. But and then also, there's the idea of consciousness, the idea that we we are going to interpret anything we experience from the level of consciousness we inhabit, and and all of us are in transitionary kind of spaces, moving from one level to so so where where if I was to ask you, Russ, does everything happen for a reason? At one level of consciousness, you could say. Absolutely. Yes. You know, because it's all God's will. And then you go to a higher level of consciousness and you go, no, it all seems to be random. And then you go to an even higher level of consciousness and you can go actually a hundred percent. Yes. Everything happens for a reason. It's the, the truth of it keeps changing according to the space you occupy. And so the idea of perfectionism, the idea of perfect, because essentially David was quoting the towel in a lot of ways, like he's, he's like, there's so much ancient text that's saying you are perfect. Right. Right. and, and, you know it, it, this is any as as all of us coming from the christian background this idea be perfect as our father in heaven is perfect remember that teaching yeah. which it would always freak us out right you know and from the from the church perspective that freaked me out because i was like i can't do it i know <laughs> no what. it was something it was something to attain yeah. 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 yeah yeah and the fact that that was the word that was translated in most english translations that's the word used perfect and yeah. i don't know the i don't know the greek there but it's but it is really interesting um you know when you talk about- trying to interpret that from certain levels of consciousness because what that was a very profound teaching, and that's essentially the argument I'm not arguing, you get an argument but that's essentially what you guys kind of collided into that space
3: yeah, and i was i think that I apologize for being a little more glib in that way that I wasn't um oh no I, I i i do I do like to push and i and I challenge you too I like to push people into and and this sounds snobby, but it's a more enlightened way of understanding perfection because yeah. we have thousands of years of teaching on this and and the eastern thought on the, on on perfection is is i think way more helpful than the western thought because it's something to attain we were always taught and and over because we got 2000 years of christianity yeah we we're always taught that in, that we have to attain perfection like jesus was perfect and we were always taught that jesus was perfect as a human being he was perfect he, he never made a mistake he never sinned we were taught that and so perfection in our Western thought and your sign kind of, it's not a Christian sign, but it, you know, it definitely kind of looks to that, this idea that, and, it, and it, everything that in our modern lexicon comes out of this idea that, that perfection is something to attain. Right. And yet we were told we can't, we can't be like Jesus. Cause Jesus is perfect, but we're supposed to try. And so, the, I mean, it's confusing. That's like, you know, that's right. really confusing it's perfect, for kids. Per,
0: perfect or perfectionism, like perfectionism yeah. is a kind of an attitude or an energy. Right. And then the idea of perfect has a lot more, you know, it's a lot more open ended.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and so it was, is, so perfectionism in our West, again, this is Western thought versus Eastern thought. That's yeah. just what it Ideal, is. Ideal. Right? I think
0: the American idea is more more of an idealism.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, and, and the Western form of perfectionism is just unhelpful because you go you got to work towards this thing and this is why we even when we talk about someone being a perfectionist it's kind of a negative thing we go it's kind of a criticism to go and he's such a perfectionist you know he yeah. asks, everything has to be perfect and we go and the other side of us goes, no, that's great. It's great be a perfectionist. But we don't want to say I see it as a healthy thing to be a perfectionist because yeah. we go, that's that's not attainable, right? Whereas, it's a
0: burdensome thing. I think when right. you, you can see that in somebody, like if they're all right. stressed out all the time right, because they're a perfectionist. And then there's some people sure. that just, like the artists who has to not necessarily have everything you know, the right way because art isn't <laughs> that kind of thing right right but they right. spend a lot of detail and time trying yeah. to communicate whatever they're trying to paint or, uh, set or- and,
3: and again that's a wonderful example because in western and eastern art and just put out you know i have a degree in art and everything and master's degree and all this stuff and we have studied a lot of our history if you look at western art okay and the development of western art and you can you can start back you know early 1800s where we're still doing, you know, portraits and that kind of stuff because the camera's not invented yet. And then we, as we move through, camera's a big grenade thrown into the art world. And then you, and now everybody wants a portrait with a camera. Now we have, you know, modern art, impressionism, post, you know, expressionism, you know, abstract expressionism, you know, postmodernism, pop art. We have all these different kind of evolutions of art, all trying to attain what we used to have, which was we were the, we were the, the, the skill masters who could make the pictures, and now we don't. And this is, this is the Western evolution of that. With the Eastern, this is not yeah, happening. Because I got
2: filters, East. I'm like. Right, right, exactly.
3: <laughs> in the East, this, this crisis is not happening because perfection and, 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 and you know, the, Jap- like the Japanese art uh, for form, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the word right now in the Japanese, of just making the letter. Right, perfection in the attainment of that through that it already is each breaststroke and the slowness of it is just it's perfection in movement. And so there's, instead of trying to attain that thing, it's more about the isness of the thing. And I love the term isness because everything is exactly what it is like in this moment. Right. And I, I wanted to read it. Uh, I finished a book a few months ago, I've done a a lot of reading over the years of you know things in quantum physics, but one of the best books I ever wrote or read on on quantum physics was um, was a a book called The Dancing Wooly Masters. It's by again, guy named Gary Zukav. It was published in the '70s, but he's basically and he goes basically it was a real attempt on his part to explain um, quantum physics, quantum mechanics, um, the the new physics, what we call to the, the lay person. Just someone who I've even just,
0: heard it called, I, I took some notes on that quantum physics, the, the inclusiveness of imperfection. <laughs>
3: yes. It, 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 again, and that's a really wonderful way to, to talk about it, and very, but a very Western. And he's in the book, it's interesting because what he's coming back is he's coming back to like, hey, maybe, you know, in, in classic physics, right? Newtonian physics, which was all about matter and cause and effect and that kind of stuff. The Western thought was really, really helpful. Right. But when you had Niels Bohr and Einstein, these guys cracking the code in the early 1900s and, you know, Max Planck going into quantum physics, that language, the Western language has gotten harder and harder and harder um, to understand because it it's not as applicable. Right. When you get into because once you get so small, everything is a theory. Right. It's all theory. Yeah. yeah. But the theories work. But we can't we can't put those theories in it. Not like you and I can put those theories into practice. We can only imagine, honestly, what, what's going on. So um, I wanted to read a, kind of a section in which they were talking about it. We were talking about implicate and explicate order. Um, they, the implicate order is the implicate order of that which is. This is, called, this is in Bell's theorem, right? This is one of the kind of the most furthest we've advanced in terms of theories of quantum physics trying to understand how particles behave. Right? and how waves and particles and wave can become a particle and particle can become a wave, and basically how the substrate of all the matter that we see is not made of matter. In fact, it's made of the other stuff. Right. So he says, the implicate order is the implicate order of that which is. However, that which is is the implicate order. The worldview is so different from the one that we are using that, as Bohm points out, description is totally incompatible with what we want to say. Description is incompatible with what we want to say because our thinking is based upon an ancient Greek mode of thought. According to this mode of thought, only being is. Therefore, nothing, non-being is not. Right? We are. We either are or we are not. So once we're dead and our bodies are rotted, we're not anymore. To right? be or not to be. Yeah. This way of thinking gives us a practical tool for dealing with the world, but it doesn't describe what happens. Actually, non-being also is. Both being and non being are that which is. Everything, even emptiness, is that which is. There is nothing which is not that which is. <laughs>
2: hmm. so, right. I think Bill Clinton so, said some stuff like that at one point. Uh, so they were talking so what they started <laughs> talking about is like it depends yeah. on what your definition of is is. Yeah. is <laughs> right,
3: right. But then what, So what, what he's pointing at, and the book goes way, way more into it, is it basically he's saying, okay, so we do need a shift in thought. And what we are in the West, you know, and for us, and, and I will go even all the way to where we're at, us three guys now, when we're dealing with addiction and different things in these worlds, we have to transform and completely renew our minds into a, something where we are now having a different mode of thought. And if you're a person who's really an academic curiosity person, you're going to, you're going to read and read, reading books, try and find some other way of thinking because, because you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Somebody's got there, right? There's an Eastern way of reading Jesus's words, you know, and how he approached things. There's it. And what it is, it's just a shift from uh, an analytical thought attainment. Those aren't helpful kind of terms to, everything exists and if I can wrap my head around that which is and come to accept it exactly how it is as what is and as the only thing that can be then I will reach perfection yeah because I will understand that the true nature of this moment cannot be anything other than what it is
0: and the idea of of being being and becoming as well um some of the things that I've said on the show, you know, that have been kind of taken as glib or, 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 or somewhat offensive, I've said, uh, I'm kind of glad you're here, right? Like if you're listening to me and you're struggling with sexually compulsive behavior, part of me is, is glad because you're realizing a state of being that mm-hmm. is beyond yeah. your control yeah. and working to grow from it. So. Right yeah that's where the imperfection like you know is is a blessing, so to speak, mm-hmm. to use that kind of language. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did I say that that was one that that got some eyebrow raising emails uh, also yeah the the fact that you're controlled by something on the outside um, reflects something on the inside right that is either it, it's it's part of your being right but moving from that is a shift in consciousness right. and this is part of the human condition too yeah some of the stuff on quantum physics and stuff like i i like that stuff because it's it's the mystery like going into the mystery but at the same time the the certainty of it like people can geek out and try and make make it certain and, yeah
3: and and physicists do you A lot of them do. Yeah. And then like, they argue
0: I, I, back and forth just like yeah. religious people.
3: Oh, totally. Even worse. Even worse because they all got you know, multiple PhDs and they think that that means something. So, they're, so they're, going, they're sitting there and having that same discussion. You know what I mean? Because, they, I mean, Einstein and, Bo- and, and uh, Niels Bohr had this, they had in 1927 in Copenhagen, right? It was the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics. But this is what the big argument was. It was Einstein was, we have to keep going. Because he was so in his mindset, there had to be a formulaic something that we could get to where we could understand this. Basically, like the God particle, we could discover a thing that then explains everything and we can write it out in a formula. He was, he was like, we're going to keep pushing his intellect and his ego were so wrapped up that it was like, we have to keep going. Whereas Niels Bohr was like, he, he basically said, we'll never figure this out. And the, the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics, which still stands and a lot most physicists actually lean on is we will not figure this out. It's impossible. It's not going to, but we can work on the theories and the theories work. So, Bell's theory Bell's theorem is something that people can actually you can do scientific formula formula using that and it works quantum mechanics is a theory and it works you can use quantum mechanics and you can if you apply all the different little pieces of theory and kind of exceptions that they've come up with along the way it still works this is why we can go to the moon this is why we, we can we can use all of that stuff in the new physics to help us with things and time and time and time again we've seen that it works but they still can't explain it. And yeah. that is why the book is called The Dancing Wooly Masters because he says, yeah. if you want to understand it, you have to leave the realm of physicists and you have to come into a mystic realm. He says, because in the mystic realm, then you start to go, oh, that makes total sense. And this is why it's funny. If you get with someone like some new age person who like meditates for two hours a day and you go, and you, they'll explain, they'll go, oh yeah, no, oh, I totally get that. And they do. You know, if you talk to Seth about it, look at Seth, he's, he's sitting there and he's like, um, yeah, because you understand it. Like I yeah. could say to someone like Seth, I can go, it's perfect, and his brain goes, "Yep," but he fully understands that kind of, I guess, the 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 deepy deep, deep aspect of what I'm
2: saying. Yeah, the, the layers of cake between well, yeah, all the third and fifth dimension. Yeah, and yeah. this is if
3: this, yeah. is, this is this is why, and, and this is very much Eastern thought. Eastern thought it helps you kind of go, "Oh yeah, no." We it lets go of all of the all of the other kind of way of understanding it, and I know that there is part of us in the West, that, and especially in t- today's age, that we want to say right in the middle between Eastern and Western thought is where we need to be. And I'll go, yeah, sure. But that's a creative process because we, we don't have it. Right. And so we can read East, we can read West, but if we come from the West and we are programming as a children was Western thought. And then especially Judeo Christian, Western thought, I said, we are stu- we're stuck. We're kind of stuck there and we can try to, we can, we can work on this, but we have to then seek experience through this other way of thinking in order to be able to build some sort of re- unprogramming from what we had. And if we don't, if you don't, if you don't seek that out and you just want to try and wrap your head around it by reading lots of books, it's, it's yeah. impossible.
0: Intellectual you approach. Is, yeah. You just get lost and yes, a new, a new exactly. addiction. You right? have to
3: experience it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where the healing stuff, like in my pilgrimage, that's where all of that comes in, where we, we go, hey, we start the book by talking about, you know, language, right? And talking about what we believe, why we believe. And it's all philosophy of so the first, you know, five chapters. We start in triggers and that kind of stuff. But then we get into practice and we get into, okay, now you have to experience what it is to heal, you know, yeah. and that is a straight experience. And, and every single person who first experiences it goes, oh, what the, you know, and they have their own thoughts and start to understand things. And that's, that's, yeah, the key. I
0: think that's part of where I was, you know, in your response to the, the perfect sign. Um, mm-hmm. And some of it was thinking back to like, I have a, a recovery background. You know, I started going to recovery groups. I was forced into recovery group when I was 16 years old. Oh wow jail. So I was sent to rehab. Sure, sure, sure. Um, because I broke into my my uh ex stepfather's home and stole all this booze with my friends. Wow. Drank half gallon of rum and had an alcohol overdose, spent a week in the hospital. Oh man. I actually died several times on the way to the hospital. I died for two and a half minutes was my longest um (sighs) time uh but anyway so being forced into recovery and then going to meetings there's something about that group you know like i said recently uh, to some guys like i always found a lot more spiritual growth and transformation in the basement of the church <laughs> I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not what's going on with the pageantry and the music and all that upstairs. Yeah. It's funny how they call that worship, right? Sure. Was the worship was great today. Like, uh, I don't know, man. It's like a show. Sure. Um, sure. But, but when you get people in a room face to face, eye to eye yeah. and, and sharing these kinds of um, deeper, you know, the, the struggle, the becoming, so to speak, right. um, what am I becoming? What have I become right. um, as a being? Those are really interesting. So I think that, you know, harkening back to if if I entered a room and somebody said, "Hey Russ, life's already perfect," you know, uh-huh.
3: oh, I know it's totally good. I, and I, I totally get it. It's, wait, but let me ask you a question though: Do you still go to that those groups?
0: No. Why not? <laughs> I, I I I would like to, but part of me is uh, the, the reason I don't is. Um, I've grown past it. I think exactly. like, it's hard for exactly. me to be in that room. Like I, I respect those folks and I, I could mm-hmm. be there and ask certain questions. And I have a, a knowledge, maybe a wisdom that I didn't have as a younger man. And when I was in that environment in churches, right. I mean, it was just really good to, to ask, to, to yeah. love someone and yeah. then try and pull from them using certain questions. Yeah.
3: So you learn a new, you learn a new way of being. Yeah. So let me ask you something are you ready to go meditate in a cave for 10 years?
0: No. <laughs> okay, right. And <laughs> no. you're not.
3: And because and and yet and yet you could end up there in your life where you go, "Oh, I'm ready for that. I'm ready yeah. just to go and sit alone and be alone and just meditate and be in that space." But what th- we can all go, "Oh, dude, I'm not. That doesn't even sound appealing. Why? It's not because it's not awesome and helpful and it's really like some powerful thing. It's because that is a more enlightened space. That is, There's an understanding with that person that I have not attained. I'm not there. And yet, I don't hold that against them, right? Jesus walks into the wilderness for 40, day, 40 days. And that's the freaking Middle East wilderness. And, and that's, <laughs> so but yeah, none of us, yeah. But I don't feel the hunger inside my chest to go, I'm going there. But you can, you can go back on, the, on when you first started going to those groups and you can go, Man, that really, I needed that at that yeah. time. Yeah. And I look back on friggin'. I read this book when I was in the middle of my addiction stuff and I was a conservative Christian. I remember reading when uh, the pastor stood up in front of our whole mega church and he was like holding every man's battle. He's holding that up, that book. He's like, every man in this church needs to read this book. And I just, was like, Oh, and I felt this intense. Somebody has written something that's going to help me. Something. It was and I needed it and I consumed it. I read it in two days and I was just like, and then I was practicing everything in it and I'm going, because it was something. And I look back now with gratitude on the book, even though I think the book itself in the long term is, was not a solution for addiction. I think it actually ended up doing a lot of damage to a lot of people because what they did was they went to that group and they stayed there because they had yeah. found it. Yeah. And if you, if you didn't have the guts to say, yeah, I grew past that. Now, if you told those guys that are in the group right now, oh, yeah, I grew past it. They'd be like, what a snob. (laughs) You know what I mean? What a a terrible thing to say to someone. But because they're in the answer. But I remember my friend Floyd, you you know, from White Raven Center, he said flat out, he was like, I was there for many, many years. And then he said, and then I realized it was keeping me sick. And I had to leave because there was something I was being called to something else. And you're here creating. You're here kind of spinning the wheel and making stuff to, to continue. It's the same process. You're continuing to work out your kind of thing. And now, we're, now we're talking about something that for you, you're going to have to wrestle with internally this concept of being of just what is and the full acceptance, because what you're going to run into internally is all kinds of resistance to what is yeah. to the acceptance of who we are. And that is the thing that I continue to wrestle with all the time. You know, there's this legend that the Buddha, you know, one of his disciples said to him, Um, You know, what is the most difficult, you know, what is the most important meditation? And he said, the acceptance of all that is. And that's it. Done. The most important thing, right? This is why this is the same thing with Jesus. His disciples were like, you know, what's the most important commandment, right? And he's like, you know, love your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two things.
2: And so there's three things.
3: I'll go ahead, go. With
2: with acceptance of all that is God, all that is your neighbor and all that is self. Yes. You know, so you can love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying,
3: it's completely acceptable. Right. And so you hear these simple kind of things. You can go meditate in the cave for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and have that. And that's, you know what I mean? You can spend the rest of your time just contemplating that idea internally. You know, that is not an external concept. It is completely internal. And if we don't, if we don't get our, wrap our heads around the fact that the battle is, is not a battle, but that the journey is inward. You know, it's not a fighting outside. It's not a dualistic war out here with, with, with addiction, that the internal journey is the one that brings us to healing. It's the place to be. And that's when the person finally goes, yeah, I think I'll spend the next 20 years meditating in a cave. I mean, Deepak Chopra is a funny guy. I mean, I know we all know who Deepak Chopra is. He's this kind of modern spiritual teacher, writes lots of books and stuff like that. And he's kind of a a yogi and kind of a a interesting guy. But I saw an interview with him recently in which, uh, I can't remember who the interviewer was, but they were like, so like, what's, what's a day look like for Deepak Chopra? You know, he lives in New York city and, and he's like, "Uh, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I, he's like, (laughs) I meditate for two hours. And eat some breakfast and I go for a walk and I contemplate death (laughs) and I'm like that's the modern dude in the cave that's what he's doing and that's actually where his hunger lies his hunger lies in, in completely in the internal journey of, of, of life. And so when people are put in his way and he feels the creative urge to write a book or he does these things, he goes and he just kind of shares what he understands and knows, but he's in the, he's in the, the later years, he's in his mid seventies and he's starting to go contemplate this next kind of thing. And it's, it's really beautiful, you know? And so we, that the key becomes to be where we are and accept this thing fully and not only come to a place of understanding of it, but a place of love and embracing of what is exactly where we are, right? Find the resistance, expel it from your body. Now I want to say one thing, and I think this is worth a discussion with the three of us is that some of the people that listen to your podcast, Russ, are in really tough places because it's one thing to tell a homosexual person to come out of the closet. You know, tell a gay person, hey, come to an acceptance of being gay or, or having same-sex attractions. And we all, especially even in our society at large right now, are cheering that on and going, hey, it's great to come to an acceptance of your own sexuality. But if you have someone who, and this, this sounds, you know, harsh, but if you have someone who has attractions to kids or you have something that, you know, there are these things that are are incredibly shameful and dangerous, that's a way harder challenge, right? Yeah. If you have, if there's mental illness involved and there's other things involved. it's is really easy for me to sit on a podcast and go, accept what is, you know, be, you know, embrace who you are, that kind of thing. When somebody has gone, dude, I have a genuine urge inside here to like have
0: sex with kids. Right that is damage other people yeah it's damage <laughs> there's the, the thing people. with addiction or chemical addiction like there's a there's that same like i have a urge inside me to to drink a, a half gallon of vodka yeah uh, that's a self damage right but right. yeah man i i'm tracking with you because i think that that's where it can get with the, the shallowness of right being the guy in the cave who meditates like trying to relate to that and yeah
3: but this yeah. is where i would ask seth to talk about the internal process of healing in, in term, and this is the stuff we advocate in my pilgrimage for that person, because the process is actually the same. It's just that it takes you into a place that's maybe more intense. Um, Seth, what do you, if you could give us kind of talk about a little bit about processing and about what we do in terms of kind of when we come to a place to try and accept the thing we run into resistance, that's so severe.
2: Yeah. Well, that's 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 the what we're trying to do. I think of all things, pilgrimage in its classical form was meant to be a bridge, right? It's a it's a bridge concept between between one dimension and another, one level of consciousness and another. You know, the process of discovery is the process of healing. This is why the battle, the whole battle thing that we were all taught, is just not helpful at all. You know, it's it's, an, it's not a helpful thing because there's no type of forward movement or actual expansion of it's out there, right? It's out there. Like you blame that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, And and I have, you know, I encounter people every single day, you know, that and people come to me for one-on-one work where I could tell them all day long that, Hey, you're already perfect. Just accept that, you know, and, and it's not going to help them at all. You know, (laughs) it's not going to even, they'll go, okay. And yeah, if you don't just do that, but (laughs) there's this, Fascinate, And that's what we were all told growing up, you know, be holy as, as your father in heaven is holy. Be perfect. Your father in heaven is perfect. You know, there's this idea that, I mean, you're, what you're talking about is a perfection divorced from morality, right? You're you're taking it out of this, you're, you're airlifting it out of this dimension and you, you know, to be in this world, but not of this world is what you're calling people to. And that is an actual process. And so what we do when we talk about processing, we're, you know, gosh, this is really big, but like when you, when you talk about quantum <laughs> physics and what yeah, people yeah, are. Really I, so. yeah. I, I, I I sat with, okay, here, can I just tell a quick story to, to kind of try to illustrate my. The stories my are always this. helpful in this, yeah. So yeah. I sat, I, I started with a client the other day. First, first, first uh, session with him and he's 15, 15 years old and he's just, he's a survivor of brain cancer. He had a brain tum- tumor removed. And so I, I work with a lot of athletes and he's a, he was a soccer player and a pretty decent soccer player. And now he's trying to learn how to move again and walk again. Like, like to watch him move, you would think he would, he'd never, you know, he's just trying to get his balance and how do I kick a ball and how do I get my left leg? You know, his, his, you know, a couple of weeks ago, his dad said his, he, he couldn't even really bend his joints, you know? And so he's just getting to this point where he's trying to, he's trying to learn his brain again. Right. And, and it was really interesting because, uh, you're watching this kid, you know, this certain space. And I just sat down with him. I I just, for 10 minutes, I just did this little drill to see where his coordination was at and all this kind of stuff. And then we just sat down and I said, all right, we have to, the the key to every single journey is to get the right trailhead. We have to know where we're starting. And that's essentially what you're talking about. You're saying we start in the ancient teachings that you were citing Buddha. And I mean, I know the Tao is very much about this. I know that, you know, Jesus is very much about this. We, we talk about your starting place is perfection right and let's talk about what that actually means right so if i say your starting place is perfection david's gone (laughs) (laughs) he just goes we'll we'll fix this in post (laughs) potty break potty break anyway i'll wait for him to come back so i don't know what just happened
0: (laughs) yeah like i'm tracking with you i get what you're saying it's uh there
2: he is yeah, so we'll fix that in post, but <laughs> <How about that? laughs> so, turn on that movie. And... Yeah, the 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 starting place is perfection, and so and then I said, okay, so let's let's talk about what what you're made of. And so what I did is break down. Here's what you're made of, and we get into quantum physics. What what is matter? You know how you're mostly empty space, and then and then all, and it always comes down to what is energy, right? Now even even the Buddha, you know, when we talk about this isness. You're, it's it's actually a philosophical concept. Okay, Isness is this is is where the realm of philosophy joins? Because there's an acceptance of what is, and that we're not even dealing with energy. But if I look at that guy who's an addict, and go, you know, you know, just you just be and accept what is. As true as that is, it's not true for him yet because we have right. to go to a, right. a substance matter first. We have to talk about energy, right. what right. it's actually made of. So my work is a hundred percent about transitioning. From a place where you think your thoughts are you, you think your emotions are you, you think your body is you. Now I'm going to, we're going to, first thing we're going to do is separate from that so that you know who you are and then you have a body, you have thoughts, you have emotions. We're going to learn how to observe these things and then we're going to understand these things as energy. And then we're going to start to learn how to work with those kind of things. What what trauma is, what's the substance Mm -hmm. of trauma? How does trauma function? Especially if we're dealing with this all in a kind of a quantum realm. What's the nature of trauma? What's the nature of demonic entities? What is the nature of uh, soul fracturing? Like all this really, really fascinating and complicated stuff that makes up our, our humanness, which is just a third dimensional manifestation of this weird quantum soup, you know? And so the whole idea is, to, is that that transitionary space that, that between this realm and that realm that you guys are talking about is it, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't even want to call it a science or an art. Actually, I remember that. Remember that quote from that movie Thor when he's like, "What your ancient people call magic and you call science, I come from a place where they're one and the same." Remember he's talking about you know Asgard. I come from a place where they're one and the same. That's kind of what we're dealing with. Like, like mystics, our job is to is to, to take all that theory and create it as an experienced reality. And of course, I can't articulate to a scientist. Or if I put a quantum physicist in the room and I say I need to explain to you how I beat addiction. my wife laid her hands on me started praying and then a demon came out of my body, which is what happened. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it knocked me out cold for a while and then we talked to it and it spoke back to us and then it (laughs) left and now I'm not an addict anymore. That's a, this is what's drawing the human race forward scientifically, because as much as that guy's saying, I can take me seriously, there are those that would, right. And there are those that are doing that work. And that is what's drawing the scientific community forward. My body, Mm -hmm. my body, my spirit, my system, it, it, I have, I have outdone quantum physics by a hundred years at this point right. in my experience. Right. You know what I mean, it's, it, I, I get more info. I, I get more understanding and education by watching. I mean watching the clone wars, you know, like the <laughs> star Wars series, just like that is, is what's actually, you know, teaching me more and propelling me forward. So, but with my pilgrimage, what we've tried to do is introduce that reality to people as a, it, because it's a spiritual concept. It's, it's giving them an actual spiritual paradigm for, you know, for understanding ancient texts, for understanding their experiences, for understanding that reality. When you start to go, you are not your body. You are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. You know, you can actually transform this entire thing. And then you get them thinking about what's possible and all things are possible. It's fascinating. I don't know if I'm making any sense right now, but it's not, you aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about it, because that's, that's the thing for me is that, when you talk, you said earlier, talking about the masterful paints, paint stroke, yeah. you know, yeah. I have been seeking to become an absolute master in taking people from the third dimension reality to that fifth dimension. That is yeah. my kind of my quest in my life is to be able to say, you know, in, in a very short amount of time, just open their eyes, open their bodies, open their experience to right. move into that space. Right.
0: And, That's the, the idea of wholeness, right? Like I, I can track with you on the idea of wholeness. I think yeah. Uh, that, is the, the becoming of that, or the integration, so to speak, mm-hmm. of, of all of that. I don't know about fifth levels of dimension. You might lose me on that one, man. <laughs> well, well the rest, rest outside you. of you know time and space and all that. Like I get it.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's, is this it? Is this it? I'm going to show it to you right now. Okay. So you you have five senses, correct? Yeah. Okay. So you have, uh, what you know, touch, you know, sight, Come on. hearing smell (laughs) and and taste, right? So you have these ones. But if I tell you right now, Russ, if I tell you to pay attention to, uh, the feeling in your stomach right now. Okay. Just bring your attention to your stomach. Everybody's listening. Just bring your attention to your stomach. It's full of coffee. Okay. (laughs) Do you feel anything in there?
0: Not really. No.
2: Okay. Now pay attention to the palms of your hands. Do you feel anything there? Yeah. Like, what do you feel?
0: Just bringing the attention to them. They're, you know, warm right here. Yeah. Do you no. feel
2: any? Do you feel any tingling? Not really. No. Okay. Pay attention to your fingertips. Let me know when you feel the tingling.
0: I'm not feeling it, man. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, it's interesting because we're just talking about directing your attention. You you are not. But yeah, practiced. directing attention. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. but you're not practiced in feeling, right? You're not, you're A little not more
0: practice in feeling than I was. Like
2: sure, sure, sure. Well, of course, always. But you're not practiced in feeling. You're not. So you say you more than you were. Yeah. But yeah. this is the idea. What we do with my pilgrimage. The very first thing we do is we start to feel. And when, and if I ask someone okay, you got five senses. I say, yeah. And, and they go, oh, I feel that not in my stomach. For the first time when they start to go, oh, yeah. every single person I ever work with, the first thing they go is I don't feel anything. You go, well, that's a very distinct feeling. What's that feel like? And eventually they're going, I get this thing in my chest. Or I get this thing in my stomach. And I go. Yeah, it takes time to I... get into that, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's
0: Like breathing and, and t- bringing, uh, like, and I do spend that time. Like I'll spend time bringing my attention to my breath. Yeah, a lot of this is getting out of my head. Like well, that's, that's I'm, what I'm so talking about. in my freaking head. My prayer but, life is much like that now. Like I'm not using words to pray anymore. One of the the scripture that was was really eye opening to me was, "I know what you need before you ask." Right. Like, yeah. so knock it off. <laughs> like, right. All There's those words you just think, hey, like, do. Hey, right. no, I got way Right. But when
2: you're when you're training how that how attention you, though, like even when you're feeling when you're feeling the palms of your hands or the inside of your stomach. Yeah. Which one of your five senses are you using?
0: I don't know. I don't think about it in those terms. I'm trying to answer my question.
2: Answer my question. When you're, when you're, when you're using, when you're using your attention to feel, feeling your breath, feeling your hands, feeling your stomach, which one of your five senses are you using? I guess
0: all of them, right?
2: No, none of them. It's a sixth sense, right? So we're starting to, that's where we start to move into a different dimension. Your five senses function in the third dimension. Okay, you're using what's as a psychic ability, what's known as clairsentience. It's an ability to feel energy. So if someone's sitting here listening to us right now and they can feel the tingling in their fingers, they're using clairsentience to feel that. They're not using touch. You know, it's certainly not taste, smell, hearing, or sight, right? They're just simply using clairsentience. It's the ability to feel your energetic fields. And, and be w-
0: conscious. It's part of uh, consciousness. And,
2: and, yeah, and that's what consciousness is, and it be- immediately begins to expand your consciousness when you start to become aware. Oh, well, there's a whole realm of experience that I'm having that I wasn't aware of, and that's what we call the spiritual dimension, and that is a different dimension. It's not the third dimension. It's that's you know typically. You know, by my mystics, we refer to the fifth dimension. And, and that's the idea is what we're trying to do is open up an entire awareness of the existence of that dimension within us. That's the idea of when Jesus said, be in this world, but not of this world. He was saying, your, your actual experience, your actual life is an internal one. I mean, this is why it was some of the really groundbreaking work that's being done by some of the more brave, you know, quantum physicists that are out there that are saying, hey, is it possible that our entire reality, this is, and this is one of the branches of the Copenhagen interpretation. is it possible that our entire reality is being created within our own consciousness, mm-hmm. right? That we are literally in real time creating our own reality all the time. You know?
3: uh, I mean, let me interject real quick. This is important because if we go back to the example of the person who's listening to this podcast, who is, you know, grappling with more complicated and more you know, scarier uh, addictions or problems, this is completely applicable to every human being, you know, because it's, it's essentially a, if that person can go and just sit for a minute, take all the stuff that you're so ashamed of and all the things that you're just going, this is such a horrible thing. And just, we're going to set those aside. We're just going to place them over here in the corner for now. And you're just going to be this, you're just going to move through this idea and that stuff. You can, you can do the exact same thing when you start to go. Oh, that's not me either. That's not who I am. I'm not a a deviant. I'm not a a pedophile or some of that. I'm not these things. These, this is not me. Now, is it more complicated? Yeah. It's, it's harder for us to wrap our heads around and it's going to be maybe harder for that person to move through because that energy has such a that, that is such a strong grip. But the, but this simple concept, like, Hey, just, you know, I can tell, I can sit with some person who's a pedophile and I can go, Hey, let's just feel our palms, feel our fingers. And we can talk about this concept. And as soon as that happens, in fact, I've done this with, with a person who's considered a pedophile. Um, that happens, that expansion begins to happen even inside them. Now, are we going to run into this other thing? Yes, we are. And when I when we started going into that, the pain and into his childhood and working through his stuff, it, it, he hit a dead point where he was like, nope, not going there. And it's because of his pain and his trauma yeah. was so severe and so just mortally terrifying, he chose not to go there. And now he's in prison because he stopped. But what happened was it, this thing that he had been hiding, he had gotten to this point where his, his consciousness had expanded, but now he, he wanted to talk about it because it was expanding. Once it starts, it just starts. And you begin to, once you just even stick a step down that path, you'll want to start healing and moving through these things and stuff. And, and he ended up admitting a bunch of stuff to a bunch of people. And when you got the cops, calling, the cops saying he's in prison. And, and I, and him and I had been writing letters back when I said, you know, I had, cause I had talked to him. I'd say, Hey, we have to go there. We've got to heal. We've got to move through these spaces. If you stop right now, that's the, and for him, you stop right now that's a horrible place to be. Now there are other people who can move through their pain and they can go, Oh, I'm just going to stop here. And what does that mean? Oh, that just means I'm going to, you know, be promiscuous or something like that because I didn't want to go all the way in healing, but they're not going to go do illegal things with it. You know, but people that are, that are in that space where what they're doing and, and the, the, the genuine kind of whatever that desire that's coming up inside them is, is, is illegal. Um, we had, those are the guys that go, Hey, we gotta, we gotta go. We gotta move through this. This is important. This is yeah. even those they are, in can,
0: psychology. Those, those two things, right? Like, are you, are you harming yourself or right. harming others? You know, that'll feel right. you would land in that, that second. Yep. Thing. Yep. Absolutely. I was a part of, speaking of that, I was yeah. a part of a, a group here in Everett. There's a nonprofit organization called the Dawson center right. and they deal with um, sexual abuse, um, neglect, kids that have seen or atrocities and traumas. Right. um, And they deal with a lot of pedophiles and that was one of the weird things about going there and talking to my counselor for a while. She's like, yeah, there's, there's pedophiles in and out of here quite often getting help. Right. Right. Um, They're not in the same building with people who are um, traumatized by them. Uh, this is a place. There's a plaque on the wall of this place, which b- about brought me to tears, because it's right. signed by a bunch of lawmakers in Snohomish County, yep. and they've set this place up. And part of the uh, kind of the, the, the law and order was the SVU, like right. the kind of SVU of the Everett Police, is is in this building, like right. they do with sexual crimes in the same right. building. But right. but the the plaque on the wall says, like, what if we could get upstream? Mm-hmm. from the punishment of crime mm-hmm. to actually prevent it before it happens. Like, I love that. Like the like time machine stuff right there. Right. Like w- if we can help these kids and adults, I started um, unpacking some of this when I was um, my own trauma, when I was, you know, 50 years old and you know, yeah. going to this place. And they were counseling me for free. Like this place is, uh, and th- that's the beautiful thing about it psychologically is they don't, they don't label you. Right. Because we're not interested in labeling you. We're interested in treating the trauma. And, you know, I did EMDR there, which is a very expensive therapy, yeah, yeah, yeah. getting into that. But for years, David, like that was my story, dude. Like I went into recovery for drugs and alcohol. And I'm like, you know, in the back of my mind, I've got this little thing going you're not a victim, Russ. You're a fucking man, dude. And you, right. you, power up and you, you know, protect yourself and all this and you right. be that man. But uh, it wasn't until I was 38 years old mm-hmm. that I admitted to another human being that I was, I'm a sexual abuse. I'll even use the word victim because I, I as much as I don't like that word, <laughs> mm-hmm. trigger word, I'm yeah. a survivor, <laughs> right. you know, right. but, but yeah, man, that, that happened to me. And for me right. to say for years that I wasn't a victim, Right. Um, wasn't helpful. No. I was just shoving that more down in the no. dark, no. and then you know dealing with the show over the years, and and uh, I went seven years without looking at porn at all, like or masturbating. I didn't masturbate, right. didn't look at porn. It was all you know, just my wife and I, and and uh, I thought that was pretty cool, or or you know the sense of purity or whatever you know word mm. you want to use. But I didn't. I still had. I was still depressed. Right. Like I still. And I still had that guy's voice in my head, the right. abuser. Because right. here's how he – the brilliance of how he kept me and some other kids in the neighborhood quiet that he was molesting was, you know, he didn't threaten to kill our puppy or I'm going to kill your parents or something, like, nothing like that. He said, he said, you got an erection, so you, you liked it. You know, you, right. you didn't like it. So, uh, right. you know, if they find out, they won't love you. You think right. they're going to love you when they know how dirty you are, you know? Right. Yeah. And this sank totally up with my Christian worldview yep. upbringing, yeah. yeah. And so that voice in my head for years, like you were describing earlier, the self-talk of shame. Um, it it wasn't that you know you, 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 uh, average person they do something wrong. It's like I was hungry, I was tired, you know, um, I wasn't present. The, the self-talk isn't isn't so much. I am bad like i am the epitome of evil and being able to get into that space and say you know you separate yourself from the thing is kind of what you're saying right david
3: well we're saying that but we're also saying and i think this is what seth's point was and that we definitely definitely um believe that everyone kind of has to go there is that there's an actual energy that you have to identify in the yeah, in your body, yeah. right? That if we, if, because, because the mind is great and, and renewing your mind and kind of going and starting when you first realize that, oh, wait, these are stories. I, I have to kind of go there, but when, then separating that out and going, now we have to teach you how to feel. And, you, and that sixth sense, that, that is something we have to develop. And that's something, like, that's part of your path. I can tell you that right now. You're going to have to learn how to feel energy first in your own body, and then you're going to start to feel it outside your body. Like, yeah. so f- for Seth and I, and this Get into is into the woo woo. Well, it, it's, it, <laughs> well, then, it feels it's not, that way. It's, it's it feels woo-woo. that way. It, I know it, it sounds. And part yeah. of, part of what my pilgrimage is trying to do, especially in the kind of Judeo Christian world is we're trying to help people understand that it's not woo woo. And the biggest, the big and the biggest easy thing is to go, it's actually part of being human. Every human can do it. I, I'll tell you the story. It's funny. It was years ago. I was in a, I was graduating from oh, my master's degree program. So I was at my, I was at my school in Orlando and I was uh, we, me and a friend, one of my fellow graduates were, were over at uh, Disney spring. It's called Disney Springs. Now back then it was like a downtown Disney or something like that. And there's all these restaurants and stuff like that. And we're going to go and get some dinner. And so, and he was, and I, but at this time I could, and I had come to a point where I could feel energy. So for me at that time, it was really potent because I hadn't really learned how to um, not feel energy. Like, so if I was walking through a crowd, I would feel everybody. Like I'd be, I'd be like, oh, that guy's depressed. That guy's super happy. That guy's, that person's in love. Like you could feel the frequencies of their energy field because they, everyone has it. We all have it, right? And my friend was severely depressed and he could just, and just hanging out with him. I was like, wow, jeez." And finally I just said, I go, I just stopped. And I go, cause we were just having friendly banter back and forth. And I said, what's wrong, man? Like what, what's going on? And he was like what? I go, you are way down. And he just goes, Oh, you, you can feel that. And I said, yeah. And he was like, how? And I started explaining to him. I go, we all have, you know, human beings, we produce energy, right? Your brain is just gray matter, water and electricity. That's going to pump something out. Right. And then your whole nervous system your the whole body just, there's energy just flowing and we know that it comes off the skin too. You know, the new agers will call it aura or whatever. You can call it whatever you want. Scientists know it's measurable. It's a measurable thing. We can measure the frequencies of of the human emotions. You know, you can put on a electrode dealio on a body and and you can watch people feel. You can watch it on a gram. I feel sad. You know, I feel happy. It's different. It it just comes across. It is the all measurable stuff. Well, it's energy. Like, what what else do you want to call it, right? It's not like a muscle twitching. Yeah, It's it's energy, right? So I said to him, I was looking around. I'm like we we'll do the old wives tale thing so i basically take off my wedding ring and i i walk into this little gift shop and there's this there's this girl and she's like 16 and the happiest human being in the event i've ever seen and and i was like um can, hey she had long hair i said can, hey can i can i borrow one of your hairs and she's like excuse me and i was like i, I just just i just do not want to pluck out a hair i just need it to show my friend, friend a friend of thing i said hey if you let me do it i'll let you watch what we're going to do and she was like uh that's kind of weird and i was like yeah i know it's, it's weird just hang out so she she, t- she plucks a hair and gives it to me. And so I tie it to the wedding ring, right? And I have my friend stick out his
2: palm. Should have eaten the hair right in front of her. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> just awesome. <like>, oh. <laughs> Run. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, I take the ring, and the ring is hanging about, I don't know, two, two and a half inches off his palm, right? And I said, hey, close your eyes. And I said, I want you to imagine, uh, I think it was his wife. I think they were married at the time. Wife, her girlfriend or something. And I said, I want you to just imagine... the love you have for her and nothing happens the ring just sits there you know "Mm, okay i said i turn to the girl and i go here you do it i said in fact and and with her i was like just just close your eyes and breathe you know because i could feel she was just a super super positive person and i just put the ring over and it just starts going starts moving clockwise right in this really fluid clockwise circular motion around her palm. And I said, okay, open your eyes. And she's doing it and she's still going and she's watching. She goes, oh, what is that? And I was like, you're a very positive person, aren't you? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> and I said, you love working here, don't you? And she's like, yeah, this is great. I just love it here. I love everything about Disney. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I just sat there and watched that thing. I said, okay. I said, close your eyes. I said, I want you to think of something that you hate. That you hate. And I can't remember what it was, but it was like a food or something like that that she really dis- found disgusting or something like that. And the ring stops. And then it kind of starts kind of, doing this little jagged emotion. And she'll her like, oh, oh, oh. I go, yeah, it's a different emotion, different frequency. affects the ring right. differently, right? Now, that's, the, that's, that's like the, the super basic, and we can all do that. Every human being on the planet can do that. And My friend was so depressed, he couldn't feel anything. He couldn't move. He couldn't move it at all. We tried it again at dinner. We went to dinner and he goes, well, don't we try the thing again? And he was trying and he couldn't, I could sit there and put it around I, on my palm and I didn't have to, I didn't just, I'm talking to him and it's going, you know, because it was flowing and that's what Seth's talking about when he talked about flow. That's, that's this movement of energy that moves through us and instead of getting stuck in places.
0: Right? Yeah.
3: So that's the, that's the, the basic idea. And that is not like, and this is the thing. That is for every single human being on the planet. If we were all doing that every day for five minutes, I swear to God, it would all fix itself. Because we would all come into a space where we start to identify more with our spiritual body instead of our physical body. And then we wouldn't feel the need to defend this physical body so much. This ego and every all the trappings and the money and the houses and stuff. We start to understand that you can go sit in that cave be perfectly happy if we could find eight billion caves and we could all just go sit. We'd be just fine. Now,
0: yeah, some <laughs> of the some of the triggers that I have, you know, looking back also is is it may be the new agey stuff. Yep. Um, and it's cool that you guys are, you know, I'm I'm having this conversation with you and like because I don't, I'm, I'm not an educated man, right? Like I'm not You're self-educated, I'm not, bro. Yeah, yeah. You You're like, yeah. I didn't go to college. Like I, I didn't even finish high school. You know, a yeah. lot job applications. I lie about that shit. <laughs> Where I'm at. Yeah. I started dealing drugs when I was 17 years old and dropped out of sure. high school. Sure. And I kind of climbed a ladder. I got into trafficking cocaine in the eighties and then meth started to become a big thing. Um, Rolling Stone magazine called Granite Falls, Washington, just up the road here. Um, the meth capital of the United States. Huh, oh, I met a man um, who I had to be blindfolded to go to his house, you know, mm-hmm. and then we get up there and it's this beautiful, just beautiful kind of A-frame, big mansiony kind of house. And we, uh, I'm introduced to this guy, right? Like, hey, uh, we'll call him, um, uh, a TJ, uh, TJ wants to meet you. And okay, cool. I don't know who the hell TJ is, but I'm, I'm there. Cause I want to make some money. You know, I need to pay bills and stuff. Right. And, uh, I was living on my own actually about 17. I had my own apartment. My mom helped set that up, but you know, kind of getting away from my mom's stuff. But this man is sitting in the Lotus position on a pillow. You know, he, he opens the door and he's looking over this beautiful expanse of this valley. So it, we're way up in the mountains up in Granite Falls, freaking, you know, dirt road somewhere. And there's a stream below him and he's just kind of sitting there and he's, you know, he's doing the thing with the with the fingers, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and he's bald like like we are. <laughs> he's yeah. like, this guy, hey, I got, got hair down ahead. to here, you so know, I'm here. wearing a Metallica That's shirt, you know, I'm smoked out on weed, you know, I'm sitting there meet this guy. And he also was, was extremely positive. Like he was just a very right. likable dude. Right. And, you know, talking to him, like he had this, it, 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 he was, he was basically used me as a drug mule at 17 years old, but he, it was, it wasn't like he felt like he, he was one of these guys, like you see in the movies, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm going to use this kid, you know, and yeah. he's a stupid kid and all that. Right. Like, no, he, this was his ministry. He felt like, like I, we need to get the world high because there's right. a lot you know, horrible shit going on out there. Sure. Yeah, see how much drugs we can move. You yeah. know, I'm gonna have you bring stuff into downtown Seattle, which I, I did. I you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes just weekdays. Um, I would buy or I would sell. Um, it was so so yeah. That and that was a a big EMDR session for me. I had a EMDR session where this guy. I had to move him out of the back seat of my car mm-hmm. It's almost like all the Christian religion in me, you know, and then then this guy like i didn't i didn't I didn't trust any of it <laughs> right. Right. so i was I was kind of fucked over by Christians and you know the the new yeah. agey stuff, so, yeah. so some of this like i I hear the language and it's it, it like i I feel it in my body, I feel that right. trigger. and I remember that cat you know mm-hmm. and there's like i I don't want to, I want to understand, like, I want to be okay with the ideology of it, right. but it's also, you know, what's true and what isn't, what's just ideology. and Yeah. But
3: right now, Russ, like you just said that you can feel it in your body and that's all, yeah, that, it can, yeah. that's all that matters. And I, I look at it now and I go, you got to get out of your head. So we're just going to shut that down and just go to what you said you feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's see, right. the thing is, is, is that you're a self-taught guy. You didn't graduate from high school. You didn't graduate from college. You can do the exact same thing when it comes to your spiritual life. Your body is the key. Yeah. It's just a matter of, do you want to spend the time with it? Do you want to do it? Do you want to self teach there? Because it's not like, I mean, I, I had white Raven center and they helped me. Right. But after six months, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go on my own now because I've got this. I I had learned that my body is here to teach me and it's connected to turns out everything. And if you don't, if your spiritual body is connected to everything, then you have access to everything in the universe, every, every person every soul that's gone before you everything is there it's access but you have to start with going that's where the key is so it's not even a matter of like well i gotta get out of my head don't worry about that 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 in and of itself is like oh i have a hard time getting out of my head i'll always tell people yeah. go it
0: becomes so, like exercise right like yeah I mean, get on so, the yeah. treadmill. right right it, can shit. you can you yeah and then the only that. thing is
3: just practice the thing that's in front of you and the thing that's in front of you you just said I, I could feel that in my body the trigger was pointing to the thing the trigger is the gift that's episode five by the way that's coming out on yeah. Tuesday <laughs> of our, of our, we're talking about triggers is that the trigger is the gift it's pointing to the thing it's going hey look Russ Russ here's the thing to heal from the thing you're feeling does not belong there it was put there and so you have to that's the thing to go to and that's the thing that imagine if you didn't feel that but the same trigger was there it just no longer hit that thing yeah all of a sudden you didn't feel that and that's called healing the trigger no longer hits the thing cuz the thing's gone in your chest it's gone it's pointing to it right now there is nothing else there is nothing else that's the next step on your pilgrimage it is oh i get that and then when you're done with that spirit will show you something else and you'll get you'll find something else and what'll happen is over time the hard stuff that you're going to hit first it'll start, it'll just heal and go away. And all of a sudden you'll be running into little things. Now, after like six months, I was like, my, my sessions at White Raven or my sessions I was doing on my own because I was doing just as many on my own at home were getting pretty chill. I was like, finally like, man, I had a stressful day. and i would sitting on and move the energy from that, you know? Like, really? There's no like, I'm not going to get any kind of like getting beat up in the neighborhood when I was six or something, you know? And there was nothing like that, <laughs> right. right? It yeah. was just nothing like that. I was just like, I found myself kind of living. And I remember the point where I went, I woke up one morning and I was just perfectly happy. And I went, I can live like this. Like this is what I've actually been asking for, for like 15 years. I can do this. I can live my life this way. And so my, my practice, my meditation practice is actually pretty mellow. It's not intense. It's not, I'm not Deepak Chopra. I'm not sitting there and, and I've, question a lot of times i'm like do i do i not want enough should i be like you know like seth is like i'm gonna find I'm gonna, just the fucking universe i'm gonna know every single thing until like i got sparks coming out of my fingers and <laughs> i and i look at it, and i think about that all the time and i go i go
0: become an x-man or something
3: well yeah no no no. but, that, but the well, thing yeah. is seth and i've had lots of conversations his his i guess his mission is different than mine yeah and i I swear to God, like for me, I've, I've come to a point where I, where my mission- but full
2: enlightenment's not necessary to experience freedom. All we have to do is want yeah. to know what experience we want to have. David had exactly. a very clear vision of what he wanted to experience. in I wanted his peace. Life. Yeah. yeah. He just, he wanted peace. I, I, as I, the deeper I got into it, the more I realized it wasn't just peace that I wanted. I, I really did want to know unity consciousness. I want to know, I want to experience my life as the Buddha experienced his. Mm-hmm. And and as Jesus experienced his, and if I, and, and, and I'm willing to continue wrestling with those components on, on so many different levels, you know, for a guy like yourself, you, you know, I, you, Russ and I've been friends for a while. he's one he's a good friend of mine. So we, we've been talking about those certain things that still exist in your life where you go, wouldn't it be great to completely transform this component? And that's all we need. If we can go, if we can look at one area of our life and go, I want to experience that differently.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the key. And then the understanding the that you're, whatever triggers whatever's sitting in your body is the thing blocking,
3: yeah, so that thing you just described as your, in your sentence, Russ, when you were talking that thing that 's the thing pointing to the thing that 's going to help you experience the way this the way you want to experience it that 's it. it's yeah. something. and that 's because that 's how yeah, spirit works
0: what it's evolved into maybe is because I, I went through a whole like I said, we you know my therapist and I w- walked through that it 's interesting you bring up quantum physics and all that. Like that's one thing she said about EMDR. And I told her about White Raven too. And, and I, I told her about the book, you know, the RTT and, and, uh, and she goes, ah, oh, that's really interesting. I'll check that out. But she goes, you know, what's cool about EMDR. And I, and I said, what, she goes, we really don't know why it works. Right. <laughs> it just, yeah. right? yeah. just doesn't because you're getting right. into that place. It's, that is Neil's board, right. You from that. I think right. that talk therapy is sort of just up in your head right. and you're kind of talking things out. It's like, no, what do you feel? What is that right. thing in your body? Let's go after right. that. Where, where is it tightness in your chest? Like that's what she would ask me. I'm explaining the story with the man, um, you know, the guy in the, in the woods who used me as a drug mule. And she's like, where's where, you know, all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, where is that in your body? Sure. Like, I was like, right here. All, all right, let's right, let's let's go into that. And then we start right. we start going. Yep. And eventually I got to the point where I, he was sitting behind me with a gun to my head like this.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And so I would be driving and I could see him in the rearview mirror like this. Yes. And uh and then when I would turn around he's just sitting there smiling like hey you know, <laughs> wow daddy, interesting. You know, uh, go get yeah. Him. The man I I heard I don't know if this is true or not but I did hear from somebody that this guy was like shot to death in a, a FBI raid in the early 90s this fucking wow. guy. Um so but but yeah that, the the feeling in my body where was I going with that? Um and, and I think that anger is something that I use. I, mean, I would love, I'd love to get your guys' take on it. Right, let's, let's just talk I about. Use it. I use yeah, anger. Yeah. I like the anger. Anger sometimes just keeps me alive. Anger gets me out of fear, yeah. bed in the yeah. morning. Like I, I, it's not so much it, at yeah. people, but there's a there's a there's something that people attach it to. Like I'm not mad mm-hmm. at a person so much.
3: No, it's an energy, man. Yeah, right? it's an yeah, energy. Yeah, and so you have it in your body, and your ego likes it. Because it does keep you alive and it does help you survive. Okay, yeah. but you gotta remember there's you're two, right? You're an ego, you are a spirit. So the question becomes is if you want to, like Seth was saying, if you want to experience this thing over here like this, if that's your desire. When we talked to a guy the other day, um, it was a Mormon guy, and we were chatting, and he and he you could tell, like we were talking, and I was like, he wants to experience real freedom. The kind where he doesn't have to have a filter on his phone, he doesn't have to have a filter on his computer and his thing. He he doesn't that porn's just not a thing. He can walk by it and it doesn't matter. He wants that, and he was like, "But he had convinced himself that he couldn't experience things that way." So we did this kind of the same thing with him. We're saying, "Hey, what if it was possible? I, is it? Yeah, it is." So for you, it's the same kind of thing. Like the energy, anger, your ego, and your spirit. The conversation is there where you can go.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, your ego, yes, wants the anger, and the question is: Is
0: like that, sitting in a cave that's boring as fuck? There's work to do, right? David.
3: <laughs> right. So the well, the question right now is. Exactly, and that's exactly true, bro. That's not where you're you're at, right? But right now, are you content with the life experience you're having now? And that's the question. Because if you are, if you go, yeah, you know what, I could do life this way, and I'm I'm happy. I yeah. want to do it this way. Then cool, good, done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like do do life this way. Continue on your on your journey. Continue on your mission, and keep making cool shit, and and have everybody doing that stuff, and and be content. But if if you're honest with yourself, and you go yeah, I there is something else that I want, there is some other contentment that I want that I'm not there yet. Then the question is, okay, do you go after that thing in your chest because it's already there? It's just showed itself, and it's that's the thing that's in the way, yeah. And are you willing to let go of the anger if the anger is the thing that's kind of keeping you from
0: having that, yeah? That's the question, yeah. I don't that's know. That's I think the that's question, uh, I started the show basically on that that premise when I went a year without viewing pornography i didn't think that was even possible sure. and then i wanted to talk about it and share yeah. the, the news you know and yeah and so forth um but now it's like there's still i guess there's still fear in there right? like mm-hmm. wh- what's sure. what's tomorrow going to happen mm-hmm. and I, and and i and i don't have the same anxiety that i used to like i'm pretty I'm pretty chill a person sometimes yeah. i criticize my myself for that like there's that still that guy back there going yeah you should this and that and be be working you know yeah. you have all this time offered that's how come the fence isn't yeah. fixed <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which
3: is why by the way which is why that sign that your wife got you is 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 meaningful
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
3: absolutely and that comes right back around to it is that that's why that thing speaks to you and anybody who that sign speaks to is in a similar place and, and the interesting thing is, is like you can look at those, those kinds of things that, that speak to lots and lots of people around the world, and, and you'll see people buying that stuff, putting it in their kitchen or whatever, and it's, it's because so many of us are in that place. I've got a sign in my kitchen, that's you know same kind of thing, a little wood frame sign that and it says, in this kitchen, we dance. <laughs> because I wanted, and that speaks exactly to like, the heart of my, of my existence now because I wanted peace and we did this work and it was hard, hard work and pursued this thing. And I got to a place where I'm like, yeah, I can live the rest of my life this way. And I can, it doesn't mean I will. I think that as I mature, and this has been a real curiosity to mine is, as I grow older, I become more and more curious about what old age does to our spirit in terms of the depth of it. I think our spirit goes deeper and deeper. And I'm getting very curious about that, about what is coming in that space, because I think I probably will be the guy that, you know, my wife and I joke around about, you know, one of us, who, who's going to die first, you know what I mean? We've married 23 years, you know, and, and when we get old, uh, if my wife was passed away before I would, I'd just go sit in the cave. I'm probably in the cave because I think that's kind of where I want to be. And I have this part of me that really just desires that just to sit and be. And I think that that's the ultimate experience of peace is, is coming to a place where that's what you want. You want to just sit and you want to be in that and you just want to exist and just the isness, right? And all that in the material sense, just be. I'm going to I'm going to end up there. I kind of know it and I'm okay with it. And maybe I'm I'm Deepak Chopra walking in the park contemplating death at the end of my life, you know. I have so, a
0: friend that defines wholeness as when the way of your being or when the truth of your being meets the way of your being. Like nice. That's wholeness. That's yeah. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, coming to that, you should. So Russ,
3: like a, all that stuff, man. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, sir.
2: I just say that that's a really beautiful kind of yeah way to to end our hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think we should. Wow, probably, was
3: a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. we could keep. Going. I just want to encourage you, Russ, to to um to just spend some time thinking about um what do you want? What do you want your life experience? If you're there, admit it. Go. I'm good. If not, admit it. Yeah. And then find that thing in your chest and go for it. Cause it's pointing to it, you know? Um, yeah, man. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks for,
0: the- thanks for, uh, for doing this. And I appreciate oh, you guys. And uh, always
3: appreciate you, man. Yeah, dude, that was, that was great. That was great. Like, out
0: mypilgrimage my pilgrimage.com. I keep uh, uh, promoting you guys. Free stuff. Yeah. I went through the yeah. website. Again, I talk about going through the website. There's like three different ministries that I've had on the show over the years that are just gone. One of them is yeah. redemption groups. That was the big biblical counseling uh, group yeah, section was, thing at yeah. Mars Hill church. Uh, yeah, and yeah. the guy, Mike, he he'd been on the show a few times. Uh, uh, anyway, he's just done. Like I went yeah. to redemption groups. I clicked on it. Redemption groups is no more. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. So, wow. So That's really ironic. Doing, it's different. It's, no.
3: And it, here's the, here's the big thing that we're doing with my pilgrimage, right? Is that it doesn't cost you a thing. You can go to mypilgrimage.com. There's a resource center there there's a video, There's three video series there. There's a free PDS. Um, the books you can buy on Amazon and we're not asking for any money. <laughs> we're not trying yeah. to make money. I mean, triple X church, when we, they gave it to us and said, you know, how hey, you guys can have this and what do you, what are you going to do with it? And they were like, they really want, how are you going to monetize it? Because, you know, and I was like, uh, we're not, <laughs> we're, we're going to give it away, away. <laughs> yeah. because because and and by the way when you just give stuff away nothing ends there's nothing to end yeah. It's, yeah, it's like i'll leave it that thing up going. there and even if i stop managing my pilgrimage.com sometime in the future i'll be like i'm just gonna leave it up i'll continue to pay the you know 15 bucks a month or whatever so everybody can have it for free That's
0: great. yeah i've done that a bunch of times with asi like i've gone yeah. a year or so without doing this show and then yeah. you know yeah. pick it up again and yeah, yeah man because i've had to heal from things and work through things and absolutely Absolutely. Yeah man, this is season seven. This is like a show eleven this year. So nice, nice. Yeah. nice. But hey, nice. thanks guys. Yeah, yeah. And Thank later, you
2: Russ. Out. Appreciate it.
1: I like him. He's silly.
0: It's a backwards attraction.
1: You're so far-sighted that you can't place trust in what up you
3: reckon. ASI, or Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, is a listener-supported podcast. Do you like what you hear? Hear?
0: Please leave a review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or wherever you may be hearing this podcast. The podcast, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity,
3: is owned by Digital Audio Project LLC who is responsible for its contents.
1: SI, the podcast and its content is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to replace or substitute for any professional physiological, medical, legal, or other advice. In addition, Russ makes no representations or warranties within or through the podcast or website. If you have specific concerns or a situation in which you require professional physiological or medical advice, you should consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist.
0: Like the jams we play here on the podcast? Go to asi.com. And follow the kickin playlist or search ASI podcast bumps on Spotify Follow the bands if you like the music and get notifications for concert dates merch vinyl and stuff Okay, bye now